Hello and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast with a review of the new Carmen Sandiego show on Netflix, more D&D adventures. I talk about a wonderful album and an upcoming adventure for Song of the Week, We've got new chapters for Book 5, and a breakdown of Season 2 of Critical Role so far. I'm your host, Andrew Logan, and let's dive right into it. This week we cover a lot of ground, but first a little bit of housekeeping. If you enjoy the Going Up cast and wish to support the Going Up cast, there's lots of ways you can do that. Number one, you can go to patreon.com forward slash going up cast where you can become a $5 patron and watch the monthly live streams, the next date of which is February 10th. And you can also go to goingcast.com forward slash store where you can buy either a mystery book, which could be anything, or get a custom book commissioned based on page length, prices, and page subsections available at goingupcast.com forward slash store. We talk about a lot of fun stuff this week. I introduce a brand new segment. I'm going to leave a little bit as a mystery right now. You'll hear it a little later on. And trust me, you'll know it when you hear it. So I hope you enjoy this week. And let's let's start talking about that new Carmen San Diego. Carmen Sandiego was a focal character in a 90s educational video game series franchise that I personally loved when I was a kid. Definitely played a couple of those growing up. There was even an old school animated TV show that I'm pretty sure I saw a couple of episodes of before that went off the air. But a couple of weeks back, at least that's when the news hit my ears, Netflix had announced that they were making their own Carmen Sandiego animated TV show. Just another... TV show and Netflix's incredible pool of amazing talented things, right? Right. Carmen Sandiego is really freaking good. I was very impressed. I love the animation style. I love the voice cast. We've got some pretty well-known names in the industry, at least for my ears. You got some. You got Troy Baker as a one-off character. Liam O'Brien is there in a pretty main role. Uh, Gina Rodriguez is the voice of Carmen Sandiego. There was Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, also from Critical Role with Liam. Uh, and a bunch of other pretty incredible voice talent all over the place. Um, the acting in the show is pretty freaking good. Um, you know, something to be expected from such incredible talent. And I think what I really enjoy about the show is that it holds the 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 theming of Carmen Sandiego true in that this show is not only incredibly entertaining, but it's also educational. That's right, you'll learn a little something watching Carmen Sandiego, and there's nothing wrong with that. Every time a new location was introduced in the show, it always came with this little bundle of fun facts, like major import-exports of the country, population size, um, <laughs> size of the country based on landmass, uh, famous landmarks, etc., etc. It's awesome. And it's not just to it, that, like, that style of information... Uh, gathering and educational moment in each episode is not just locked to geographic locations. There are also moments of uh, famous works of art, including uh, Vermeer paintings and the uh, uh, opera Carmen were also spoken about pretty in-depthly to the point where I'm sitting there going like, I did not know that. That's pretty interesting. I really enjoyed that. So yeah, I enjoyed the educational aspect of the show immensely as well as it being a really good like criminal heist evil society spy thriller plot type of show it definitely goes places i wasn't expecting it to it has like a y7 rating which i think is 
pretty generous because there are some pretty heavy things that occur in this show, including one character almost being crushed to death in a hug, which is brutal. Um, I don't want to get too into it because there's a lot of reveals later on in the season that you really should be able to experience uh, firsthand, but it definitely, it goes places. The plot is never dull. There was never a dull moment watching this because even in the downtime, you're still kind of like enjoying the the interactions between um, Carmen and like her friends, uh, the what the bad guys are up to, the the villain cast, the rogue gallery of villains is pretty uh, well developed and interesting. There's some bumbling cop characters, uh, like I mentioned. You got the secret organizations on both sides. Nobody's really sure about anything. That's all this ambiguity stuff just bouncing all over the place. Nobody's really sure if Carmen's a good guy or a bad guy. Um, I know a lot of people I was talking to when this show was first announced were really upset that they were changing the core character of Carmen Sandiego from being a villain to being essentially a good guy. And you can look at this show through any number of lenses you want. You could spin it that Carmen's a bad person. You could spin it that Carmen's a good person. Um, personally, I love Carmen, and I think what she does in like the heat of each situation is the right thing to do. That's kind of my stint on it, you know. She could easily be called a hero, um, but... I would I wouldn't say um, she is totally a hundred percent good all the time. You know, a little bit of property damage every now and then. Uh, but you know, like she'll she'll steal things back and give it to museums, and then use like cash to support local charities and stuff like that. That's kind of what she's doing. Basically, a uh, a red clad Robin Hood character for the uh, for the modern day. It's it's very good. Um, I could I could nitpick the show, but quite honestly, I think the show is fantastic. I love the people in it. I loved how they did it. I love the messages it provided. It's just it's a wonderful good ride, and it's just straight up entertaining. It made me smile. I loved it. I can't wait for season two. They've really set up season two for for production in the show, and I have no doubt that a second season of Carmen Sandiego is going to come around, and it is worth a watch. So if you got I mean, it's only nine episodes, so about five hours. You can watch the whole thing, and I would highly recommend it, especially the first couple of episodes. First two episodes are kind of like this one-hour movie thing um, that's called like Becoming Carmen Sandiego, and it's all about her history with um, with Vile and how she got the training and how she escaped to become Carmen Sandiego, and it goes through the whole thing, and it's very good. Um, and the show um, also pays a little bit of homage to its earlier uh, incarnations, including bringing the original voice actress for Carmen Sandiego into this show to play a character, which I did not know about until I did a little bit of Wikipedia digging about who and what and how this came to be. So I thought that was very fun. Um, again, I don't want to give you spoilers by saying who did what, but there's they do they do their homework, similar to how The Flash brought... Um, John uh, Wesley Shipp to be uh, Barry's dad in the show when he played the flashback in the 90s live action TV show. So yes, Carmen Sandiego gets the going up cast seal of approval. You'll enjoy the ride, you'll laugh, and you'll learn a little something, which is a which is something I can fucking get behind because it's never too late to learn fun things about geography. Anyway, let's move on to the next thing on the podcast. Another week. Another wonderful batch of Harry Potter chapters. We've got chapter 7, The Ministry of Magic. Chapter 8, The Hearing. And chapter 9, The Woes of Mrs. Weasley. 
And in chapter 9, we find this week's highlight that I wish to talk about. I am not afraid to admit that I dislike the Ronald Weasley character. And so I've chosen one of my favorite moments of me just giving wrong just tons of crap. So let's take a listen. He had forgotten completely about Prefix being chosen in the fifth year. He'd been too anxious about the possibility of being expelled to spare a thought for the fact that badges must be winging their way to certain people. But if he had remembered, if he had thought about it, what would he have ex expected? Not fucking this, said a small truthful voice inside his head. Harry screwed up his face and buried it in his hands. He could not lie to himself. If he had known the prefix badges were on its way, he would have expected it to come to him, not Ron. Did this make him as arrogant as Draco Malfoy? Did he think himself as superior to everyone else? Did he really believe he was better than Ron? Yes. Yes, of course he did, said the small voice defiantly. Was that true? Harry wondered, anxiously probing his unfeelings. I'm better at Quidditch, said the voice. And I'm better at literally everything else. Ron sucks. I have to sneeze. There we go. That was definitely true, Harry thought. He was better at everything else than Ron was. But what about outside lessons? What about those adventures he, Ron, and Hermione had had together since they started at Hogwarts, often risking much worse than expulsion? Well, Ron and Hermione were with me most of the time, said the voice in Harry's head. Not all the time, though, Harry argued with himself. They didn't fight Quirrell and me. They didn't take on Riddle and the Basilisk. They didn't get rid of all their mentors the night Sirius escaped. They weren't in the graveyard with me the night Voldemort returned. And that same feeling of ill usage had um, that had overwhelmed him on the night um, he had arrived at Rose again. I've definitely done more. I said Harry thought indignantly. I've done more than either of them. But maybe, said the small voice fairly, maybe Dumbledore doesn't choose Prefix because they've gotten themselves into loads of dangerous situations. Maybe he chooses them for other reasons. Ron might have something you don't. He doesn't, but he might. Harry opened his eyes and stared through his fingers at the wardrobe's clawed feet, remembering what Fred had said. No one in their right mind would make Ron a prefect. Harry gave a small snort of laughter. A second later, he felt sickened with himself. Ron had not asked Dumbledore to give him the prefix badge. This was not Ron's fault. Was he, Harry, Ron's best friend in the world, going to sulk because he didn't have a fucking badge? Laugh with the twins behind Ron's back? Ruined this for Ron when, for the first time, he had beaten Harry at something? For the first and last time. For the record. At this point, Harry heard Ron's footsteps on the stairs again. He stood up straight in his glass and hitched a grin on his face as Ron bounded back through the door. Just caught her, he said happily. She said she'll get the clean sweep if she can. Nice, Harry said, and he was relieved to hear that his voice stopped sounding um, hurry. Listen, Ron. Fucking good job, man. I know I give you a lot of shit, but I gotta, I gotta call a spade a spade. You fucking, you deserve this, man. I'm really proud of you. Three brand new Harry Potter chapters drop every Wednesday night around the 7, 8 o'clock Pacific Standard Time and that meal you for your listening pleasure. And I hope you're enjoying those wonderful audiobooks because Harry Potter is going to be around for a long time. But for now, let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Hey gang, it is I once again coming to you live from my walk home. It is quite late at night. I believe it is. I say quite late at night. I think it's like 10 o'clock or something like that. I don't know. Didn't really get a chance to look at my phone before I turned on the record mode, but here we are. Anyway, you all know what this means by now. It means the end of another wonderful D&D &D session. This time around, we uh, 
finally, after this was session four, finally united the party. And so we had, you know, the two, now three, because remember, I and another compatriot of mine died fighting the hag, so we rolled new characters, and one of our mutual party members was previously kidnapped by the same hag, and we, the three of us, were all kind of um, strapped to the same stone altar construct in the middle of this forest clearing, and we were basically biding our time uh, waiting for rescue or for something to change in the current predicament. And while we were sitting there arguing amongst ourselves, the hag in question force-fed us some bugs that put us in some sort of rage-filled hallucinogenic state, which caused us to attack each other. And while these sounds of combat were echoing through the woods, the other three party members followed the sounds and were able to eventually find us in this grove um, and they engaged with the hag who was outside the grove of trees while we were all fighting each other um, then a bunch of owls came and attacked him and this fucking dude showed up in nowhere and was helping him, I forget his name but he appeared and so that was all going on and then uh, eventually, through a lot of will-saving throws, or wisdom-saving throws, rather, and um, fighting to break out of the, the grove, we eventually all defeated the hag, beat back the owls that were assisting the hag, and united as a party, um, naturally. One of the characters, the person who was originally kidnapped from the long, long ago, was a known entity to the three party members who saved us. And so they reunited and the myself and the other person that died against the hag were brand new, um, you know, individuals for the party to deal with. So there was a lot of introductions and stuff like that. And we were trying to figure out how to like get back to town, eventually made our way back to the original, um, hag shack, which had decomposed it had fallen into disuse and decayed to such an extreme degree that according to our checks the house had not been occupied nor dealt with for approximately 70 to 80 years and earlier that same day from our perspective we had just been there so my player brain is all but fucking exploding. Trying to figure out what the goddamn hell is going on. Because I can think of a couple of things that can create this sort of time jump. Um, they all involve either A, incredibly powerful magical beings, like gods basically, planner changes. For example, if we were in the Feywild, that would also yield a pretty similar result. I don't think we're in the Feywild based on um, our experience with the Lady in the Pond and the Fey Realm that they like provided. 
But what's really freaking me out is we eventually break free of the forest line, where previously there had been a town with an ice out of the forest. The town is gone, and there were no stars in the sky. I'm sitting there trying to figure out how to solve this problem from my character's point of view, and I'm like, sailor background, navigates by the stars. He could probably tell, based on the position of the stars, what time of year it is and at least get that sort of bearing. Couldn't tell you what year it was, unless there was some kind of major astronomical event that had occurred, was occurring, or was about to occur in the night sky that you could date it that way, but there were no stars in the sky. And you know it's a good D&D game when you get a visceral reaction. Like I try to look for the stars in the woods couldn't see him. I just assumed it was because of the, you know, the thickness of the overgrowth of the trees. Couldn't see through the boughs. And then it wasn't until we got out of the trees that I found out that there just straight up were no stars to see. And I went, oh, fuck. And, like, my gut kind of dropped. And I'm like, what's happening? I don't... I don't rightly know what's happening to be perfectly honest with you guys so we're just gonna have to wait and see um and we did take a rest which means starting next session we're gonna be level two um should have been had we finished the fight and gotten back to town quickly could have been level three by the end of this session but you know it makes sense to wait for down periods in between adventure to level up so level two will come with the next uh long rest uh will will be when that happens the next long rest so i'm very much looking forward to that but you know i've been playing DD and watching DD and reading about DD for some time and nothing's really coming to mind that fits this exact you know, M.O. It could be a combination of things. It could be something I've never dealt with before in watching or playing or reading about. So, I'm very interested to see what happens and where this goes. Um, if it was me DMing, I would have said I was just making it up on the spot and then would have to figure that shit out later on, but I don't know. There's a plan at work here and the fact that I don't know what's happening and my one of our players is also a huge like Dungeons and Dragons nerd and they don't know what's happening it could be could be a lot of things very very excited to find out where this is going but just wanted to give you guys a quick rundown on what the dealio is involving your game next, next session isn't for another couple of weeks so got a little bit of a, a rest period, so to speak, between sessions. Um, if anybody wants more specific character details on myself or any other member of the party, feel free to reach out at me at knowingupcast.gmail.com. And for the first time, we're finally a goddamn united party, which is awesome. So, but I'm very tired. I'm almost home. So... I'm gonna 
leave you guys on that one. I'm going to go home and go to bed because, unlike most times, I have to wake up fairly early and do a little bit of work getting overtime. So, let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Alright kids, time to settle in your britches for Song of the Week. Because this week I only got the one, but it's ten minutes long and it comes with a story. So I'm going to talk about the song first, and then we're going to listen to the cover. And then I'm going to talk more about the album in its whole, in its like entirety and get really into it because I'm very excited about a bunch of things that are going on with this album. So, this album originally came out in 1998. It is called Into the Electric Castle by Arion. I keep saying Arion, which is wrong. It's Arion. Um, it is this incredible collaboration of various singers from all over the world and their own incredible bands coming together with the work of Arhen Anthony Lucasen, who is the main songwriter, the main multi-instrumentalist. He plays like the guitar and the keyboard and basically constructs the, the music for all the other instruments as well. And it's this incredible story of, as described on Wikipedia, it's a science fiction tale featuring very exaggerated, over-the-top characters in the styling of B-grade science fiction movies. There are eight characters, or eight vocalists on the album that each portray a different character that are ripped out of time and space, like there's a barbarian, there's a hippie, there's a Roman, there's a future man, there's an Egyptian, there's an Indian, you know. There's, there's all sorts of different characters thrown together into this incredible tale being led by a mysterious voice told to go to the electric castle in order to survive and it's their you know adventure and their journey across this crazy land and i've based DD campaigns off of this album i love it so much most of um arhan and arion's music has been inspirational for my DD campaigns but the song i want to talk about today is my favorite track off the entire album it's called amazing flight it includes a conversation between the barbarian and the hippie just you know trying to understand their situation through their various perspectives and i cheated a little bit on the cover i'll be honest i used the instrumental tracks off the 20th anniversary box set which i'm going to talk about here in a little bit to do this cover it's also probably one of the longest covers you're going to hear on the going up cast it's a whopping two and a half minutes so here is my cover of amazing flight or my vocal cover i should say i did not do any of the instrumentals on this all all rights go to Arion for rocking this jam out but i did provide the vocals this time around so listen to amazing flight off of into the electric castle see you in a couple of minutes looking around bewildered is this some dark and evil jest Brought me to this cursed keep Perchance some crazy quest God forbid I am no coward Being against a monster man or ghost To wield my blade with crimson gusto For I'm the proud barbarian host Hey dude, you're so uncool But hey, that's alright there's no need to get up tired. I reflect the stars and a smile lights up my face. We're on an amazing flight in space.
masses of cowardly kings Not a one stood up to me There's a bloody banners in blazing skies Brandish battle like a broadsword The drums of glory sound like thunder Hail barbaric warlord Hey dude, you're so uncool But hey, that's alright like there's no need to get uptight My eyes reflect the stars And a smile lights up my face We're on an amazing flight in space So this album is what I'm going to see performed live in its entirety for the first time in history at Tilburg, 013 in Tilburg, Netherlands, in September. This is why I'm going to Amsterdam, is to see this concert and to see this album performed live, because I love it so much. And this past year was the 20th anniversary for the album, naturally, you know, uh, 1998, 2018, and they released a remix of the album, not a remaster, a remix. It took um, Arhan two months to get the original tracks and to remix it together and mess with some things and change some things around and create a whole new listening experience for the album. And so I have that album on like five CDs and an earbook, which is a very large book that has like lyrics and stories and pictures and stuff like that regarding the creation of the album. And then I also got the 20th anniversary like deluxe box set, which comes with this 3D image um, of the album art comes with the vinyl album you know the record of the album itself and then it comes with all the discs as well and a bunch of material of like images and books and or I'm um, sorry pictures and uh, lyrics and more stories and stuff like that and I've got both of those basically chilling on my shelf behind me and I fucking love this album it is so good it's so like it's such a great representation of what um Arion can do with its music and if you've never listened to Arion's music before it's a great entry album it's one of their best um I absolutely adore this album and when you get really into the Arion uh lore of the albums each album leads and ties into the next and into the next album like it's all this one big epic story. There's characters that appear in multiple albums and there's elements that flow through the entire thing. It's the lore in this stuff is super deep and rich and for somebody like me that is so cool and for a good long while there I couldn't listen to other music because it didn't have the depth of storytelling that Arion's music did so it kind of ruined me for normal music it was like you know I listen to Arion and it's like six hours later I've gone through a whole bunch of albums and I'm just my mind has been blown and then like Aerosmith's Mama Kin comes on and I'm like it's not good enough it's not, it's not enough. I need more than just like a good song. I need like characters and storylines and battles and all sorts of crazy shit. So yeah, it kind of poisoned me for music for a while. But if you want, there is a playlist on Spotify. I forgot the name of it. Um, I think it's called like um, the Arion Timeline uh, that I assembled that puts all of the songs in chronological order in terms of the story itself. So it'll be like, it'll be the albums and various songs are mixed in um, as need be in terms of how the story progresses, but yeah, it's like 16 and a half hours long. Um, but it's, it's the whole, it's the whole thing. It's everything like painstakingly arranged in chronological order. And it took me some, some time to figure that out. A lot of Googling, a lot of research and looking at the albums, trying to figure out where the timeline fell and all that stuff. But 
it's a wonderful it's a wonderful group of musicians and i absolutely love them and i can't wait to see them perform live but if you have a song that you would like to send in for song of the week please send in your suggestions your requests your personal covers to goncast at gmail.com or use the contact page at goncast.com semi sub category song of the week and we'll talk about all that delicious music next time and let's move on to the next thing in the podcast Last night I got a call from an unknown number. Usually I just let these things go to voicemail, but something about this number felt different. It felt important. So I picked it up and on the other line was a pre-recorded message. Greetings, Agent. Today in the world we face a growing crisis of education, the lack thereof in the world, especially in terms of random facts and pub trivia. You have been selected to combat this by providing your listeners with weekly segments regarding topics we will send you. Arrange your facts, cite your sources, and do us proud, Agent. Useless Knowledge Association, Agent King. The line went quiet for a moment, but after a while a voice shouted as if from a great distance. Blackjack! I was confused. Blackjack? Who doesn't know about Blackjack? The card game with no discernible origin point, save for the fact that it was an American spin on a game called 21? The most widely played casino banking game in the world, the object of the game, is to simply come closest to or reach the number 21 by adding drawn cards and betting accordingly. The first written reference to this game is found in Novelas Empielas by Miguel de Cervantes, who also wrote Don Quixote. In this collection of novellas, or short stories, the main character of the tale, Rinconete y Coradillo, is the proficient cheater at the game Ventiuna, which is Spanish for 21. The rules of the game are laid out in this book, citing the objective is to reach 21 and the ace can be either 1 or 11. The story was written around 1600 or at the dawn of the 17th century. The game has several strategies and methods for attempting to win by card counting and has appeared in media of all sorts including the movie Rain Man and Austin Powers. Regardless of the simplicity of this game, my best advice for making money is to save it. When it comes to gambling, make sure you only bet what you can afford to lose. Say, oh, about $21. Nowadays, I'm trying to get out of the house and go do things and explore the world of nature and stuff and, you know, refresh the soul and whatever. So, this past weekend, I went out to, uh, to old Snoqualmie, because that's where my, my bro lives now, and we went to this place called Salish Lodge near the Snoqualmie Falls. And I, according to my family... I have been to Snoqualmie Falls before, and I have absolutely zero recollection of that. And I just straight up was like, I don't believe you. I, like, Which isn't uncommon for me. I don't remember many things about my life. Um, I often joke that I live in the moment because that's all I know. That's all I'm aware of is the now. Anyway, so we went out to Sailor's Lodge, and it was foggy and misty, um, and I have represented that in uh, images you can see on the blog. Now, you can go take a look at my wonderful photography skills of the beautiful Salish Falls. Um, one of the images, actually, you can see it a little bit. You can see it a little bit. There's a little bit of fall action going on in there, but I, I couldn't see much of them. 
Uh, I also took a picture of the of the pedestrian bridge going from the free parking lot over to the actual lodge itself, and I thought that was pretty cool. So I put that up on the on the blog as well. Anyway, it's important to note that when I went out on this adventure, I was incredibly sleepy tired. Um, I just came off of a work of work week of a bunch of overtime. And I'm naturally incredibly sleepy, so it was just it was just a double whammy of you know I had to wake up early for some some OT, and then I went on a, on like a long drive out to this lodge, and I was very sleepy. And there was a wonderful little fireplace, which there's a picture of that on the blog as well, um, where I just kind of took a little power nap and just closed my eyes and felt the warmth of the fire, and the the whole lodge smelled nice, and the lodge is beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's full of art. I got uh, some tea from the gift shop. We ate some food there. It was really good. Um, it seemed like a fun place to stay, for sure. And uh, it's nice to be like up in the mountains um, doing things. And after we went to the Salish Lodge, we went into Snoqualmie proper. And we parked the car, and I look across the street, and there's this little cafe called The Black Dog. And I all but broke out in the biggest smile, because... Back in high school, I used to be in a band called uh, Greasy Spoon. I was the drummer. And we played a lot of coffee shops and a lot of open mic nights all over the state, including three shows at the Black Dog. And I had completely forgotten that it was in Snoqualmie. And I basically just ran right across the street and I went straight into the cafe and there was the stage and I just was hit with this huge rush of nostalgia memories of like that place was packed and there were people you know singing and dancing and just having a grand old time while we were playing our stuff and we basically blew the doors off of that place it was so much fun back in the day made a lot of made a lot of tip money that night and uh that was the scene of my only time in my life i've ever been cool was at the black dog it was the last time we ever played there and this little kid came over and he asked if he could hit my, the cowbell on the drum set and I gave him one of the sticks and he gave it a good old clonk on the cowbell and he got a big old smile and so I gave him the other stick and let him keep keep the drumsticks and he came back later on the night and asked if I could sign him and I did, I signed the drumsticks and he just had, you know, his big old smile and he was really excited and I had a big old smile and I felt really cool uh, and that was, the, that was the first and last time I was ever cool was when I gave a little kid signed drumsticks because he, cause he liked the music and he wanted to be a musician one day and I was like, keep living the dream, kid. Just You can do it. You gotta believe. Uh, I felt super cool. Yeah, I got a picture of the black dog as well. It's all up on the on the blog site. You can go take a look at all these awesome photographs. But it was just a fun trip down, uh, down the past for me. Just enjoying the nature where I used to play. Oh, man. Brought back a lot of memories. So it's important to get out of the house and relive some stuff. Especially when you're like me and you don't remember anything and it's like you're experiencing it for the first time in a lot of cases. But this was one place that I uh, I actually remembered. It was very fun. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where I went on uh, on my weekend excursion. Let's move on to the next thing of the podcast. And finally this week, I wanted to talk about something that I'm rapidly catching up on. And I wanted to talk a little bit about how it compares to season one, and that is Critical Role. Now, Critical Role was something I watched back in college. I've already spoken about it a couple of times here on the podcast, but recently I've been trying very hard to catch up on season two, which is already in the 40-episode 
number. I think I'm on episode 32 or something like that. Um, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I've only got like 13 or 14 episodes to go. And of course, you know, minimum three hours long each one. So I've got a long, long listening stretch ahead of me. But I do get through at least an episode a day through at work. So give me a week or two and I'll be caught up. And I wanted to talk about kind of where season two is in comparison to season one. Because I did watch all of season one almost entire, like almost as it was coming out. Um, I kind of started watching season one. Right around episode 30, I would say, of season one, I went back and got the story bits from episodes one to 30, um, you know, basically the the Orion portion of season one, and in terms of where season two is, um, and to where season one is, th- it's almost, you know, it's one of those things where the easy explanation would be like, ah, it's apples and oranges, you can't really compare Vox Machina to the Mighty Nine. It doesn't doesn't really work, you know. Tonally and morally, they're different parties, and blah blah blah. And yeah, there's something to be said for that for sure. But I think, like, I knew Vox Machina longer, so I enjoyed season one to this point. I think more than I'm liking the Mighty Nine. Granted, I still have many episodes to go, and it's not like I don't enjoy the Mighty Nine. I just they're very different stories. Season one is pretty classic Dungeons and Dragons. Here's a team of heroes. They're fighting dragons. They're fighting evil gods. They're, you know, going through all these complex personal storylines. There's love. There's loss. There's all sorts. It's a pretty classic fantasy story. Um, and it does that job incredibly well. In season two with the Mighty Nine, they're a bunch of assholes. They kill a bunch of people for no good reason. They stole a boat. They're going on an adventure for some reason somewhere. Um, like in season one, there was this the sense of the epic storyline. It was always like, here's the big bad and it's going to destroy the world. And then they conquer it. And then there's the next big bad and all these adventures to gather weapons to fight the big bad. And that's the classic storyline. And the Mighty Nine, really, as of, as of where I am at least, has no serious strong... Um, like plot driving thing behind it. It's more like, here's a goal, you know, do this mission and you did the mission. And it's like, now what do you want to do? And then they go do that. And it's like, they did that. And it's like little pocket stories. There's no, there's no huge overarching um, plot, at least none that I can determine from where I'm at in the story. There might be one that occurs a little later on that kind of just bridges the whole thing together. But right now it's just kind of, you know, dancing along, it's doing the do, and it's a lot of fun to listen to. And in a sense, I appreciate the fact that it's not super high stakes because then there's it's a lot less stressful, you know? It's just kind of like, oh, here's this week's adventure, you know? We do ba do ba do ba do and then it's done. And you're like, ah, that's nice, all right, cool. And then you can listen to the next one um, and kind of do it that way. It's a lot less stressful. Um, but I like watch season one first naturally because it's all there and it's super good or listen to it on the podcast form, uh, which is how I'm doing it. Um, it's, it was incredible. The first story and I'm really enjoying season two and just like, uh, with the McElroy's and, um, Adventure Zone Amnesty after they did the balance arc, trying to get going again with different characters in a new setting, all that stuff. Uh, it takes a little while for them to really get their footing. And sometimes I still feel like 
Uh, the characters are still trying to figure themselves out, but they really do have a pretty firm grasp on who their characters are, what their backstories are, how they react to situations. Uh, and I'd say they finally figured that out like 25-ish episodes in. They really got a handle on it. Um, and in season one, it was around the same time. And like with uh, Adventure Zone Balance and Adventure Zone Amnesty, it takes a little while for you to really get into your character. Um, even me playing D&D on, uh, on my own with my characters, I'm still figuring out what my character is like, how he reacts to situations and stuff like that. Um, I've only really played him for one session, so I, you know, it's a complete mystery to me where I'm going to go with this character. And it takes time to figure that stuff out. And you got to give the D&D streaming crew time to figure that out, you know? Not everybody can be as as well-known as, you know, Vax and Vex and Grog from season one. You got to develop those characters, make them just as memorable. And I would say they've done that job pretty well. Yasha's awesome. Jester's super fun. Uh, Caleb is this tormented soul. Bo's kind of a dick. Uh, but, you know, it's, it works out. And uh, Ford is just kind of this, you know, smooth talking pirate guy. And it's a ton of fun. Um, I've really been enjoying it. And once I'm caught up on Critical Role, um, I will go back and get caught up on uh, Amnesty because, you know, those episodes are only an hour long and that should be a lot easier to kind of blitz through. So here's fingers crossed for that one. And I think that'll just about do it this week uh, for the Going Up cast. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, there's lots of ways where you can support the Going Up cast, including patreon.com forward slash going up cast. Become a $5 patron and you get access to the monthly live streams, the next date of which will be February 10th. It's going to be a lot of fun. Going to do a little bit of uh, Resident Evil 2, I think. And uh, just watch me just get my little my little scaredy britches blown off me. Or you can go to goingupcast.com forward slash store where you can partake and purchase a wonderful mystery book, which could be anything. Or you can even get a custom reading commissioned for your listening pleasure, which could be anything. You just send me an email and we'll talk it out, we'll pick a price, and we'll work on a schedule where I will make it happen and get it to you as quickly as humanly possible. That's a pretty good time to get those orders in. I've got a lot of free time coming down the pipeline, so I can probably get those things back to you lickety-split very much for listening. I will see you all tomorrow night for more Harry Potter chapters and next week for another episode of the Going Up Cast. Talk to you later.